As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. So thank you for joining us today at the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, where we help you succeed in leadership, business, community, and life. We're here with Darren Murner co-founder, CEO of Cloverleaf.me, and author of Corporate Bravery. Thank hey, you Mike. so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. So um, you and I were introduced by a, a mutual friend of ours, Amy Razor, yep. who I do, let's call it community work, volunteer right. work. And we were having a conversation and she said, you need to know Darren. Yeah. So share with me a little bit, um, if you would, about your background, kind of what what led you to what you're doing today with Cloverleaf.me and that journey? Yeah. Um, share that with our audience, if you wouldn't mind. And I'll, I'll cue in and ask some key questions to draw out what I'm excited to hear about today as well. Sure. Yeah. So I feel like I have a pretty non-traditional, I mean, what is a traditional path right, anymore? Today, yeah. Um, and I think this kind of illustrates why we why I got to where I'm at. Um, I kind of followed the path that was, um, uh, I feel like... Uh, public education and just our society drives people towards, which is, you know, hey, get a good career, be with the same employer for a while, you know, retire 30 years later on a beach somewhere. And um, uh, I followed all those instructions, you know, I had good grades in high school, went to, you know, went to college, um, had kind of a career in mind, um, was very focused on business. You know, one of the things I remember being in high school and I subscribed to Business Week, uh, largely just because I was so fascinated by uh, corporate strategy and and the changes that, uh, you know, people would, would make and, and the impacts it would have in their business. And uh, so I always knew it was business. I was, I was excited by, um, you know, just uh, the market forces and what you could create uh, with that. And um, coming out of college, I, I got a job at Arthur Anderson uh, in audit as a risk manager, which is funny given the fact that I'm, I've been a serial entrepreneur now for the last several years. Um, and part of that is because you just kind of follow the path, right? I mean, there's these expectations and it's like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, I want a good high paying career and, you know, I want these opportunities for myself and for my future family. And, um, but at some point along the way, I just realized that like, man, this is, this is feeling a little empty. And, um, I was about three or four years into my professional career and, uh, I was getting my MBA at the university of Cincinnati. And one of the things uh, that I had an opportunity to do was build a business plan. My wife at the time was going through a little bit of a career transition and she said, um, Hey, um, you know, I've just read this book by Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great, which, you know, I think is required reading and most people have read. And one of the things he said in that book was find something that you can do better than anyone else and just go after it hard. And uh, she had a business idea and we put together a business plan. We submitted it to what they, at the time they called the Bearcat Bridge Fund. Uh, we won $2,500, which really small, small sum. But it was just enough to move us towards building something of our own. And um, we used that $2,500 to build a website. Um, she created a, a online babysitting nanny agency, and this was before Care.com uh, took off. 
she ran that business for 13 years and sold it, um, that sold at least part of it this past summer. And uh, so I always like to say that was our first family exit. So go. hopefully there'll be more Congratulations. to come. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship. And it was like, oh, man, this was really fun. You know, uh, I could I could spend some money on marketing and I could see the immediate impacts or not the immediate impacts. And it was just that immediate response um, fed something inside of me. And I just I think that entrepreneurship had always been there. I just didn't really lean into it. And I just wasn't as aware of it as I think maybe I could have been. So where along this journey did you co-author Corporate Bravery? How did yeah, that so tie in? I feel like Corporate Bravery was this nice transition point from a corporate career to um, full-time entrepreneurship. And it was kind of this moment that I could mark um, that was just these experiences inside of corporate organizations where frankly, I saw a lot of fear-based management. Um, and it was a response to that. And, you know, just kind of came up with the, the the title of corporate bravery, because it was really the opposite of what I had seen. Uh, a lot of management and a lot of organizations, uh, their approach to management uh, was very driven by what could go wrong or what might happen, as opposed to taking a more aggressive kind of offensive position and saying, how can we go after this? You know, what are the opportunities and how do we seize those things as opposed to being so wrecked by fear that it could impact our core core business that you just miss opportunities? So that was, that really, for me, kind of marked that transition from more traditional corporate career path to full-time entrepreneurship. So thank you for joining us with the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, where we help you succeed in leadership, business, community, and life. We're here with Darren Muriner, co-founder and CEO of Cloverleaf.me and author of Corporate Bravery. So Darren, one of the things I've really, en I've enjoyed getting to know you, you and this is a, we've learned we have many mutual friends, but we're probably only a year in or so to our connection, business That's relationship right. and friendship. And um, I've really enjoyed one, um, the view you bring to people and helping people be better. Even the fact that you saw a book in the story you were living out in your experience, which I think hopefully is encouraging to those in the audience. Um, but also the view and investment of people, right? And how to help people be better and better versions of themselves. How did the cloverleaf.me idea birth? Where did that come from? What led you to this chapter? Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of my own journey, which I just talked about, you know, being a risk manager audit as the as my first kind of career step to getting to entrepreneurship, it's like, man, there's a disconnect there. Um, how did I not know some of these things about myself and how did I not live into those things early on in my career as opposed to just kind of following this path that just uh, I think other people, frankly, had written that story for me. Um, and so that was, that was one piece of it. But I think the second piece of it is being a manager, being, a, you know, a, a mid senior level, uh, executive inside of an organization, you could see a lot of management styles and a lot of management approaches and what worked and what didn't work. And ultimately it was kind of how people, um, or how managers were able to position people into the right roles for success, how they could, create a culture within a team uh, for high performance, um, not just for the, the team itself, but also for the individuals. I started to realize there's a really strong relationship between individual performance and team performance. Mm -hmm. And the problem is there's just not a lot of frameworks for people to use, um, and not a lot of tools, not a lot of training, 
um, not a lot of insight beyond just kind of what's on a resume uh, for a lot of people to leverage to put those teams together. And that was really kind of what started us down the path. Um, the last company I worked for before full-time entrepreneurship was a marketing and branding agency. And all the work that we did was done on teams. And uh, they had a really strong culture. They did some really great things. And that was kind of the last formative example that I had. And the co-founders that, that started uh, Cloverleaf with me uh, all worked at that company. And we spent a lot of time talking about the culture, what created it, what, how, how would you measure it, how would you give people insight or transparency into that. Um, and it was those questions that, you know, our search for answers to those questions that really kind of led to the formation of what Cloverleaf is today. That's outstanding. I know it it, uh, it resonates with people. The conversation I had, again, with uh, our mutual friend who introduced us as she was learning about our search firm Centennial's 4C recruiting process. Yep. And understanding the emphasis and value we put on character, culture, chemistry, and competency, and starting to dive into culture, and then actually reading our content about corporate culture, said, "Do you know Darren? Do you know Cloverleaf? Because <laughs> you, you guys are saying the same uh, thing. <laughs> we're saying very similar things, right? And you're coming from a an approach of positivity and abundance and investing in people, and that really resonates with the work you do. You know, I." I note the uh, you know the statement that's made on Cloverleaf.me, the website. You know, Cloverleaf makes understanding your team easy, and bringing all of those tools and collaborations together. That's right. Um, so that's outstanding. In terms of journey, you know, what's the journey look like? You know, startup, um, you're having great success, and hopefully, it will only continue to that's climb. Right. Yeah. Um, what's that journey been like? Oh my gosh. So yeah, the last year has just been insane. And even though I feel like um, over the last month, we've had a lot of success, a lot of public success. Um, you know, that that year felt like wandering in the desert a little bit. Um, it was just me and, me and a co-founder uh, full-time on the effort. And uh, there are a lot of lonely days in there, you know, days where you're like, oh my gosh, are we going to actually make it? Um, you know, are we, do we have the right strategy? You know, man, this just feels, um, it feels, it's hard. It's tough. And uh, entrepreneurship is that way. Um, and a lot of times when you're starting out, you're on your own, or maybe you've got a really small core team and, um, you know, you just need some, need some small wins along the way to be able to celebrate, to kind of pull you through, to get to a bigger payday. So, uh, we had a solid 12 months of just really difficult, painful work. Um, and a lot of lonely work, but um, it's paid off pretty handsomely. We just closed the seed round, um, so we raised a million dollars to invest in the product, build a team. Um, we get to use our product to build that team, so we've kind of got our own in-house um, uh, test bed, if you will. Um, even as we're thinking about selecting payroll providers and selecting you know, other uh, benefit plans and stuff, uh, we can filter that through the product that we're trying to build and say, how can we help uh, organizations do this more effectively? Mm -hmm. That's outstanding. So share with us a little bit about Cloverleaf.me. Walk us through how Cloverleaf unlocks potential. Yeah. So um, one of the things that's kind of at the core of what we do is, is data. Um, and one of those sources of data is assessments. 
So we like to partner with assessment companies that are doing really great work. And there's a lot of leading assessment companies on the market. Uh, people like Wiley and Gallup um, for Strengths Finder and Disc, um, but there's just there's a lot of good work out there, and I think part of the problem with assessments in general is sometimes it's not very approachable, and it's not uh, there's not a really practical way for individuals inside the organization to apply that to their day to day work. Um, and so we really look at five components of teaming. Uh, one is personality, and that's where we use a lot of that assessment data. Um, things like motivation, um, just communication style kind of comes into that bucket. The second is culture. Um, and when we talk about culture, we have a really distinct uh, kind of definition for that that's focused on work styles. Um, the third is strengths. Um, so if you're thinking about the strengths finders or the via of the world, uh, again, rooted in positive psychology, back to your earlier point, uh, with a really heavy focus on kind of let's accentuate these things that are just, they exist inside of you and let's, let's learn how to leverage that more effectively. Uh, the fourth is skills and competencies. That's a really important kind of price of entry. You got to know Java if you're on a software development team. And then the fifth is the role that you play in the context of that team. Um, so when we, we put all of that together and we aggregate data from a lot of different sources, including things like LinkedIn or your resume, um, we feel like we are providing um, a market-leading solution for a framework that managers and leaders inside the organization can use to think about high-performing teams. I know one of the, um, the immediate value it provides is that usually... Um, and unfortunately, many people take an assessment or take something to identify strengths or what have you. That's right. And then they file it away and when they get back to their office or they never even get a copy, right? right? And it sits somewhere in a, in a database that doesn't correlate and bring people together. Um, so I know that even for us, it's one of the reasons why we're seriously interested in how can we deploy this for ourselves and also those that we serve. Um, can you share a little bit about that? What are people going to experience? What do you hope the impact is? Yeah, so I, I'm really glad you asked that question. So I think there's a couple of really unique aspects about our product and solution. So one, we love to work with coaches and consultants. We think they're doing really good work, and we like to partner with those assessment companies because, in general, I think they're doing really great work. The problem that we hear about that um, that that market segment um, is a couple of different things. One, exactly what you said. Uh, the next question they always ask is, now what? Um, I got this really nice report about myself. I learned a few things. Um, I'm going to try hard to implement a couple of those things. Um, but the reality is, once you go back to your day-to-day -day work, uh, a lot of times that's often um, that there's not real behavior change or real behavior modification. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, it's not, it shouldn't just be all about me. Um, it's one thing to learn about myself, but it's, you're taking it to a whole new level if you can say, how, how does this impact the interactions I have with my teammates? Um, and whether that's your manager or it's, you know, um, the people in a cross-functional team or it's your peer group, um, it's really about how do you unlock that in the context of relationships that your uh, your work relationships that you you are with on a day to day basis, um, and then the third thing is I think just overall approachability. Um, I think sometimes these assessment companies um, they focus too much on the words um, or the colors or 
whatever it is that they're using to kind of communicate this underlying value. And we get so kind of focused on that, that it's not practical to people. Uh, they walk away and it's, it, they either don't remember it or they don't have a way that they can actually use it on a day-to-day -day basis. So we're using integrations with productivity tools like um, Google and Microsoft for email and calendaring uh, to make this stuff available on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you're sending an email or you've got a meeting coming up with someone, let's, let's unlock that information so you know a little bit more about them before you walk into that meeting hmm. and you take the wrong approach for that individual. Um, and potentially, you know, get the get the relationship started off on the wrong foot, or potentially damage the relationship in a in a, in a way that is hard to recover from. Mm -hmm. I know from the assessment resources, even we've utilized here, and we've used many. You know, I tell people every week, I feel like I learn about a new tool. Yep, absolutely. Uh, from a client or uh, what have you. But um, years ago, I remember an advisor telling my dad and I that when. Mike Jr. says this, Mike Senior, Mike Senior hears this. When Mike Senior says this, Mike Jr. hears this, and you two are just missing each other. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that knowledge of how I think and approach and how he thinks and approach really built a, oh, okay. You know, when you give me a deadline or timeline or a goal and objective, I think three months, you think three years. And no wonder we're having disconnects, right? right? Yeah. Um, so providing that real-time visibility to be able to know, okay, well, I'm getting ready to go into a meeting with Darren or a meeting with, you know, whomever it might be, and to, wow, make sure when I'm there, I'm communicating these things right. this way because that's how my audience will hear or digest the information. So such a great tool can be such a great resource. That's right. No, and I, th I think just to add on to that point, um, you know, when you look at disengagement numbers um, and kind of the underlying reasons, so Gallup does that big state mm -hmm. of the U.S. Work workplace study. And, you know, out of the top 10 reasons for disengagement, five of those 10 are really built around relationships, you know, either with the employee and their manager or the employee and their peer. Um and a lot of that comes back to just not having this knowledge about how to work with each other and how to position that. So, and, and, and that comes down to things like one-on-one -on -one conversations or performance conversations. How do you do that in a way that, you know, they're actually not just hearing it or, or listening to it, but they're actually hearing it and they're embracing it and making change from it. Um, and how you do that in a loving manner makes all the difference in the world in terms of the the relationship you have with your either your direct reports or the people that you're working with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I think the, and again, part of this uh, for the audience listening, we'll provide some information in show notes, but the opportunity to really understand your people that Cloverleaf.me provides and to make it so real time and to be able to even, you know, the fact that I'm getting ready to walk into a meeting and we'll be able to evaluate who's going to be in that meeting and what weaknesses might be created by not being as inclusive as we should have been for that meeting right. and who we need to complement skills and how I connect with my audience, um, you know, provides a great resource, right? right? And, uh, and really uniquely different to anything we've seen um, that makes it the, where you can bring all of those assessments together. Yep. And one collective resource. Yeah. And, and our goal is not to create more, you know, you, you said, I 
hear of a new assessment every day and, you know, starting a company that's built on assessments. I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I know <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep hearing of new ones and it's, we don't want to add to that noise. Um, and I, frankly, it is just noise. We just want to create a, an effective framework to unleash the value in those assessments. Um, so that's, uh, Totally agree with with what you're saying. So the the long term impact, if you if you would close your eyes and say, three years from now, here's the impact we hope to create through Cloverleaf.me and through the world of which that's working and engaging with one another in the workplace or in the community or even in a family life. Um, what do you hope that impact is? What are you all trying to really set out and create? Yeah, absolutely. So our mission statement is changing the way the world works, and you know we we think that. You know, when you see disengagement numbers from like the Gallup study or other other reports, and there's lots of them out there that reemphasize this, is something's broken about how we're we're running organizations today. When you have two thirds of the U.S. workforce disengaged, and that number hasn't changed measurably uh, over almost 20 years, that's a real problem, and it should be a wake up call to how we're actually leading people inside these organizations. So for us, it's really about changing that. Um, how do we unlock uh, people's potential? And you know, potential is 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 an interesting is an interesting word because I think we oftentimes get too focused. It's kind of like the professional sports mentality that we have around talent, where it's like this idea of exceptional talent. And there's a lot of stuff that comes into play. There's a lot of contextual elements that have to be right for someone to realize that exceptional talent. Mm-hmm. And um, that's part of what we're trying to bring some visibility to. So when we think about it, it's we, we want to impact millions of potential workers out there. And whether that's from an organizational perspective or it's an individual perspective, we want them to be able to live into who they are uh, more successfully in the workplace uh, on a daily basis. So again, you're here today with the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, where we're sitting with Darren Murner co-founder and CEO of Cloverleaf.me, author of Corporate Bravery. Um, Darren, can you share a little bit with your, just a little bit about, up, you know, you're a successful entrepreneur. Um, you've strived, you've worked through the challenges of leaving the corporate That's right. environment. Yep. You know, holding on to the parachute. Major going pay in. cut. <laughs> Major. <Yes. laughs> um, investing in businesses, investing in real estate, doing... Um, where did you find that? Where did that come from? Do you have, you know, personally, yeah. what led you to think that way? Or was it coached? Was it mentored? Did you grow up thinking that way? Yeah. Give us a little bit of personal backstory. Well, I watched, uh, I mean, really probably stems from my father more than anything else. Um, I wouldn't say he was a wildly successful entrepreneur, but I would call him an entrepreneur. And I don't think he would call himself an entrepreneur today. Uh, he was in sales and he sold a lot of different things, but I just watched his approach and I understood uh, some of the key um, uh, propositions of what it meant to be successful in business. You know, having a having a product that people wanted, um, you know, selling it in an effective manner, finding the right potential buyers. You know, there's some core tenets to being successful at business, and I got to kind of sit back and watch watch that play out and. Part of that is just also a there's there's a drive or a, a necessity that kind of needs to be there. Um, if you're comfortable and um, there's not this uh, really compelling reason to try something new, um, it's probably going to be hard to have an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I grew up in a, a, a poorer family, so. 
that drive to create something um, something better uh, in terms of my personal finances and and you know the opportunity to create wealth was a major motivator. And as I have kids now, you know I've got a ten year old son and uh, twin girls that just turned eight yesterday. And um, I'm thinking about, okay, now that I'm in a better financial situation than I had, how do I create that understanding of what it means to be motivated, that hunger, you know, for, for something more? And so I have to manufacture or create artificial situations for my kids to uh, understand that. And, you know, part of that, like uh, every 4th of July, uh, my community has a has a Fourth of July parade, and the whole community comes out, and you know, like like is typical in most small towns across America, um, you know, the fire department, and they have all these youth youth groups, and they're you know walking through town, and uh, my son pulls a wagon with a cooler full of drinks, and he makes seventy five dollars, you know, in a day on this, and it's so I'm teaching him, and I'm teaching my girls, you know, what it, what it means to be an entrepreneur, and that they can connect some of those basic tenets about supply and demand and what it means to have a market and what people are willing to pay for it. So I think it was somewhat modeled to me, and I'm now trying to manufacture or create opportunities for my children to understand the value and the skills and the principles of entrepreneurship. That's great. To recognize that is a it's a significant blessing that you recognize that, right? So many, um, I had a friend a few months ago just share with me that Everything you do, and we know this, everything you do, someone's watching. And the way you model your work life impacts the way your children think about work, right? right. Which again, innately, I mean, those listening and us sitting here, you know that, but how much do you, how often do you think about it, Yeah. right? So the joy you bring home from your workplace um, shows up at home. The disengagement or distaste that you bring home from your workplace. And we as employers and just people need to understand the impact. You know, we talk a lot about with Centennial building healthier leaders and healthier leadership teams helps create a healthier community and healthier families. And that environment, I know it ties so much into Cloverleaf.me's statement of everyone has value, the whole person matters, and relationship is everything. That's right. Right? So it's like we both play to each other's heartstrings with this stuff. It is. Well, I mean, it's it's legitimate. I mean, I think, um, you know, that's part of what hurts me the most when I see those disengagement statistics is that these are people's families. I mean, those people are bringing those attitudes and those... um, you know, those feelings and the emotional drainage uh, that they're having throughout their workday uh, into their family lives. And that has spillover impact to, you know, their kids and their neighbors and their community. And um, so when I think about, you know, those millions that we can potentially reach, I, I, I understand the societal impact of that. Um, and, you know, as a speaking specifically to a parent trying to manufacture those opportunities and modeling those behaviors to your kids, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do that as well, right? Because they have they have friends that aren't having to do a lot of the a lot of the work that they do. And, you know, they're missing out on opportunities to have fun. And how do you cast that? I feel like it forces us as parents to work that much harder to model those behaviors because you have to talk about the underlying reasons of why. Um, and not in a and try not to be overly judgmental about other other parents who aren't doing those things. Right, right. But it just makes your job as a parent that much harder. Yeah, and know that you're modeling, right? I mean, I remember growing up in high school, you know, growing up with parents that owned a business, um, 
and, you know, middle school, high school, going to uh, Mrs. Cookley's house and helping her do yard work. That's how my buddy Martin and I, like, we did that stuff, yeah, right? Absolutely. And she knew, because she's extremely smart, that she was having an impact on us versus just come and even play games. I and mean, we would go over and do house projects. You yeah. know, it's like people who think, and now they were entrepreneurs. They owned a um, service garage. Yeah. And, you know, again, that just that those little things you look back and say, wow, I wonder when the last time I thank someone who had that kind of profound impact on me right. that 25 plus years later, you know, here's where we are. That's right. right. So, um, so share a little bit, uh, if you would, on um, other other aspects of community work that you do. And I know you're an entrepreneur and you're doubled down and you're making sure Cloverleaf.me is successful, but what else are you involved with? Can you share a little bit about that as well? Yeah. No, so we've, we've always been really passionate. And I say we, I mean, my wife and I specifically, but I think we're building that into the culture of Cloverleaf as we're adding new team members. Um, you know, I, I, we just hired three people last Monday. And one of the things that we did on, on that Monday uh, was we invested the entire day with with those three people. And we talked about this is the culture that we want to create. These are the values that we want to instill. And um, that stems largely not just from my childhood, but also uh, from the culture that we've created in our family, my wife and I. And one of the things that we have a high value on is is family and and children. So all of our activities, um, you know, nonprofit or service related activities, are really focused around uh, that very thing. Um, and specifically, and it's very aligned with kind of Cloverleaf's mission, uh, very specifically about how do we how do we build people up and how do we make them more successful in their day to day life, um, whether that's as a parent or as a as a child in youth sports or whatever the case may be. So uh, we're involved in several things. Uh, I've spent years on the board at the YMCA. Um, you know, I, I my job in college for all four years I was in in, in college was um, at the YMCA in various roles. So I've always had that has been a, a soft spot in my heart. Uh, my wife is on the Women's Fund um, in uh, Greater Cincinnati, and the focus there is on you know keeping women in poverty from experiencing an economic cliff. Um, so how do you give them um, uh, s- self-sustainability? Um, and then I think beyond that, um, you know, the work that we're doing through a church um, heavily focused on, you know, rescuing um, uh, women and children in in other parts of the world from uh, sex sex trafficking, and uh, it's a it's a major problem globally, and uh, that's something that we've been really passionate about. So, thank you for everything yeah. you do there. Um, yeah, and and for those listening, you know, if you um, again take a step back and hear about the engagement, the intentional nature of onboarding the community engagement, right? Community matters, um, life, business, work, um, co-workers, all of us integrate and you're investing in so many aspects of there and you're really living out what cloverleaf.me is all about. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, and bringing that out into the workplace and into your personal life and family share with us, um, if you would, in terms of leaders worth following, people that, you know, did you see anyone else leave Accenture early that started something that, wow, you know, I want to try to follow that footstep yeah. or people that said, hey, if you do it, don't do it like I did it. Here's what you can learn from my mistakes. Have there been business mentors that you've 
watched? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of times uh, to your point, uh, some of the best lessons come from, you know, maybe uh, some of the some of the least successful experiences that you've had. But um, that's not the case for me. Um, my very first boss out of college at Arthur Anderson, a uh, guy by the name of Dan Fagan. And um, uh, I happened to had the fortune or the misfortune of working at Arthur Anderson uh, within the first year uh, in the lead up to uh, the Enron uh, debacle. And, um, you know, man, you want to talk about watching character and how that plays out in in the workforce. Um, You know, that was a very trying time for a lot of people. Uh, You had an 85,000 person organization Great reputation, eighty-five to a hundred years of uh, of experience in in business and a global brand, uh, literally disappear overnight because of the actions of one per, you know a handful of people at an office in Houston, and um, the experience that I had with with Dan Fagan was um, that he was committed to the team um, and potentially uh, above uh, his own self interest. And now, uh, obviously, the team's team success is his success. So that's you know, I think that's that's what's great about that mindset. But uh, you know, in the midst of that experience, you know, he pulled us into a conference room one day and just said, "Look, you know, I just want you to know that I have opportunities, and these opportunities are linked to your opportunities. And I'm not going to make a decision about my future without uh, talking through the team's future." And um, over over months, you know, with multiple opportunities, he uh, consistently brought us back and said, "Okay, this is the opportunity for the team. Um, you know, is this something that you guys are excited about? Because if you're not, I'm not taking this opportunity mm-hmm. uh, because we've got a high performing team, and I want to keep this team together." And man, that was just you talk about modeling behaviors. It was something that has stuck with me forever. And, um, that commitment to team above, you know, your own as a manager, um, it builds trust. It, it creates uh, so much in the way of culture that, uh, it's really hard to kind of quantify that impact. That's outstanding. Yeah. And I, I think if you can bring it back to, again, the mission of what you've set off to do with cloverleaf.me, the, the availability of resources to know your people better and to bring into and create better conversations and better relationships, um, invest in those team members that will ultimately help you be more successful. So um, again, the first time we looked at uh, the Cloverleaf.me tool, it's, wow, it brings everything into visible light and those and even the customers that are on the product now that's right know that right they're that's experiencing right. the impact of having their team more available and more transparent more open um, and even being very intentional about how those teams are built that's right um, can you share a little bit about that how are how are people utilizing the tool to increase their effectiveness the profitability and their engagement that's right no that's that's a great Great point. Um, and I think we probably don't do enough on our website to kind of talk about some of those success stories. Uh, we get really great feedback. And uh, some of the comments that we hear are very much in line with kind of that mission of changing people's experience inside the workforce. And I'll give you one example in particular. It was a, 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 an IT team or an ITVP inside of a financial services organization in the Midwest. And um, they had three specific teams that reported to them. And this particular leader said, um, 
his goal was around increasing the level of collaboration amongst those teams, specifically around knowledge sharing. Um, they, the things that uh, someone in one team learns is practical to the other two teams as well. But the problem was they operated in their own silo. So our focus from day one with that organization was specific to collaboration and over a two and a half month period, and we do measurement, um, a lot, oftentimes we like to try to look at hard, hard statistics, performance measures, but a lot of times you have to look at qualitative data as well. And through some survey instruments, we have the ability to do that. And over a two and a half period, we increased the level of collaborative activity in that team by 50%. Um, so that was just one particular success story, but you know, there's a lot of individual stories in the midst of that. It isn't just the organizational goal and delivery on that. There are many stories inside of that, uh, inside of that headline number uh, mm-hmm. that get us excited as well. Yeah, when we look at um, both from a search firm perspective as well as with the Talent Magnet Institute, the impact of knowing your people meaningful work, purpose, and personal alignment um, with knowing the people around you care about that too increases engagement. Yes. Right? Yes. It gets after those two-thirds and it makes people go. I, I, I tell a story, share a story where I was with a client of ours who was sharing with us. We were at a conference and we were talking to someone we had not placed there. But this leader was talking about the individuals around him who really he could feel the care and allowed him to just do his best work and not think about what's happening behind the back. And, um, you know, that the gratifying why moment was the individuals he was referencing were people that our organization had the pleasure of aligning with the org, with the leaders and with the executive right. teams and, um, you know, bringing talent into this organization. But there's no greater why moment than to hear this leader say, this is the safest place I've ever been. That's awesome. And I can do my best work. Yeah. Um, and again, I think this is a, for those listening, um, the cloverleaf.me tool is another way to develop, engage, retain your best people. And, um, and hopefully people will be able to achieve their whole and what they're really set out to be by being um, more available and more accessible and more understood inside their workplace. That's right. Um, Darren, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Again, we're um, speaking today with Darren Murner, co-founder of CEO of Cloverleaf.me and author of Corporate Bravery. Um, We very much appreciate your time and uh, hope all those listening did as well. And please look up cloverleaf.me. We'll have some information in the show notes as well. And uh, remember um, what's referenced on their website, everyone has value, the whole person matters, and relationship is everything. That's right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Do you want to make sure you're getting the most out of your current and your prospective talent? Go to talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash talent and find out the 10 questions you should be asking yourself to stay ahead of the game. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Medine of New Fidelity Studios and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Medine and myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. 
We are recorded in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We're supported by our listeners from all around the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is part of the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial. You can reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Mike Sipple Jr. Find us in your favorite podcast app, or you can visit us online at talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a colleague. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.